You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of The Perth Property Show. I'm your host, Trent Fleskins, and if you're joining us on the 3rd of December, 2018, then I say a big thank you to you for being one of the first people to join the conversation and support what I hope will become an institution in Western Australia, a place where people can come safely to source brilliant information from their favorite property experts in Western Australia and Western Australia only. If you're tuning in from some time later than the 3rd of December 2018, I say thank you very much for getting on board and I'm sure you'll have all of your questions answered between now and where we're up to at your point in the future. Our experts are top of the rank, West Australians, full of integrity and full of information. If you're looking for any property matter, that is property management, valuations, general commentary, tax, accounting, subdivision, development, building, finance. We've got it here. We've got the experts. And most importantly, we're here to answer your questions every week and focus on West Australian properties, West Australian suburbs and our economy. The reason the Perth Property Show exists is because for too long, there's been a vacuum of information in Western Australia. There really hasn't been a reliable source where every week you can tune in or read up and get the information you want about an update on Perth or a specific topic that relates solely to Western Australia. For too long, we've had spruikers and cowboys from the East Coast coming across with their information, their terms, their property investment ideas, and they just do not relate to us in Western Australia. Well, that's all changed since the Perth Property Show has been born, and we hope because of that, local West Australians will be making good property investment decisions, and our economy as a whole, as a community, will be better off for it. As I stated before, this show is all about the experts. There are no sales from the experts, there are no pitches, and there's certainly no time spent or wasted thinking about anything other than the topic at hand. We're here to get you from A to B, both in your car in the morning at 7am on a Monday, but also in your goals. If there's any questions you have, you can pop onto the website and pop your questions in at perthpropertyshow.com.au for our experts to get back to you personally. And as the host of all the episodes you're listening to, you might be wondering, who is this Trent Fleskins and why am I listening to him? What experience does he have and what does he bring to the conversation? Well, I guess I can answer that with a couple of points on my background. I'm a West Australian born and bred. I was born in Derby up in the Kimberley and lived in Morley my whole life, now residing in an apartment in Northbridge. I gained my Bachelor of Commerce from University of Western Australia. I also have a Diploma of Financial Services, Diploma of Property Services and a Diploma of Conveyancing Services. I'm one of six qualified property investment advisors in Western Australia. I have my Triennial Real Estate Agents License and my Settlement Agents License. So I believe that as Managing Director of Strategic Property Group, a full-service property investment advisory in West Perth, I'm lucky enough to be afforded the opportunity to work hands-on with Perth's property experts on a daily basis. And I wanted to build a platform to share that gold, that information with you, the public. I look forward to working with all the experts that will be coming in every week to give their opinions and help the West Australian public as much as possible with their questions. Every week, our episodes will run in a fairly similar format. We spend the first half of the episode talking to our experts about a particular topic. That might be negative gearing, it might be a regional Western Australia, it might be a finance topic such as interest only versus principal and interest. All the experts will be coming in that first session and then on the second half of every episode, we'll have our number one real estate agent for a particular suburb come in and do a suburb spotlight 
on their area. Can't get better than that. Experts in a field and experts in a suburb. You'll be getting only the top information only from West Australian experts every single week. Each episode will run for about 25 to 30 minutes and I believe that's the perfect time length for you to hop in your car on a Monday morning, drive to work, get in and out and listen to the whole episode or maybe just listen to it on the train on the way home in the afternoon after it's hit Spotify, iTunes and Facebook. However you want to consume that information, it's your choice. It will be up on the internet forever and you'll be able to refer back to it as many times as you want. So without further ado, we'll kick off with our first episode of the Perth Property Show. Now the number one question we all have right now is is Perth back on the way up? We're at the 3rd of December, moving into 2019, and we want to know in 2019, are we going to have some good news stories? Mm-hmm. To help us out with this, we have my favourite property expert in Western Australia, Brendan Ptolemy, Managing Director of Heron Todd White, to help us out. Brendan, thank you very much for coming into this first episode. Trent, this is amazing. Got the podcast going. Uh, we're being recorded. This is unreal. Off we go into the world of podcasts. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Brendan, I'd think this question is not an easy one to answer. It's not as easy as marking a number against the Perth median house price and saying it went up or down this month. Yep. Perth is a much more complicated and complex market that I think we need to respect and look into in a much more detailed level. And I always like to start with the phrase, smart money moves first. Yep. So with that smart money, for me, people who have liquidity and more information are the ones that are investing first or divesting first. And I think those are the people generally who have done pretty well in life. In that, they probably want to live out in the western suburbs. And for me, that epicenter of smart money, I think a lot of people will agree, is Cottesloe. And what we've seen really in the last couple of years is a pretty different story to what we hear on the news a lot. Yeah, it's been really interesting past 12 months, Trent, because we started 2018 thinking that the recovery is definitely going to happen. It's interesting that to go back and analyse some of the sales evidence, though, that as we do as valuers. And we can probably go back to a place like Cottesloe in 2016, mid-2016, and say that was the bottom of the market. In retrospect, that's where it hit. In that suburb. In that suburb, yeah. So unfortunately, it's still not the bottom of the market in some other suburbs. And so internally in our office, we're having this debate around our property clock and how we do the setting on that. Uh, so the property clock says that Perth is at the bottom of the market at the moment. It's at six o'clock. Yep, absolutely. And so funnily enough, that's not correct, obviously, for Cottesloe. We're already past the bottom of that market. But conversely, it's actually still correct for it's some of those outer suburbs. It's four o'clock out yeah. in the outer suburbs. Yeah, and they're still drifting backwards. So we do have to, unfortunately, have a, a one answer. And, and one of the things that we've been talking about just in the last week or so is, can we have two answers on the property clock? Can we have inner Perth, uh, at the bottom or moving upwards? Uh, can we have out of Perth still drifting backwards? Can we have 100 answers? Uh, no. Well, that's the problem. The property clock is meant to be really simple to look at, get the time of where the market's at. And unfortunately, because it's national as well and it's based on every office that we've got a- across Australia, we have to have one answer for Perth. And so the median house price creates a dilemma, doesn't it? it it's giving us an average number across all Perth suburbs and we're probably watching it drift backwards or not actually go back far enough mm. in, in some cases at the moment. We need a Perth property clock, Brendan. I think it's <laughs> something where we can de- we can definitely organise that. We'll have to hire someone else to do it, but I think we can definitely do it. And you touched on that, a really important point, the median house price. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's remember it's the median house price. It's not the average of our sales at the time. So if you've got a smaller volume of properties that are starting to go up on the top end of that bell curve, being balanced out by a what is a much larger number of transactions happening on the bottom end of the market that's still suffering and dropping, the median house price is going to be stuck right where it is or continue to go down. It doesn't mean, though, 
that every single suburb in Perth is stuck or going down. No, correct. And so what we're seeing in terms of valuations at the moment is the bottom end of the market in lots of suburbs still drifting backwards. There's an oversupply of established dwellings in those locations and there's more supply being created. So you'd actually have an effect where values continue to go down as people try and exit those markets. And then at the other end of that, you're seeing that price growth that we touched on a second ago in suburbs that are at the top end of the market. So can we identify right now, at the end of 2018, that frontier of where you guys are seeing at least some level of positivity in values and where that frontier is? And for me, I see that moves over time as information and liquidity permeate across from Cottesloe out. That's how it works. But right now, where do you think the frontier is? Yeah, the frontier is the upgrader suburbs. So I'm hesitant to give you individual suburbs. But uh, what we've seen is a massive trend. 2018 has been the upgrader year where individuals have seen that their property value or they've got their head around their property value in their location, come to grips with the fact that it might have gone backwards slightly and then looked at the suburb that they aspire to might be the neighbouring suburb across the highway or across the railway or closer to the beach, closer to the river and said, I can go and afford to buy into there because I've got enough equity in my existing dwelling. So that's been probably the big trend of 2018. And that's been the effect of that has been essentially values in those better suburbs going up. So people should look around where they live, consider whether they're in the best suburb within that locality. And essentially, the better suburb within that locality will be the one that's been going up in value. For me, I know it's not easy to pinpoint it on a map and it is a number of suburbs, but for me, that pressure point sits around that 650 to a million dollar range. I think above a million dollars, things are already been moving. Yep. 650 to a million, I think we're starting to see prices solidify. You yep. know, a, a fair market where sellers are now starting to come back on the market because they're seeing some positivity and they have a little confidence about their situation. And it's now a fair playing field in that high hundred thousands. And then again, it stops there right now. I don't see that situation below this sort of 700, 600, yep. high 600s level. Yep. We haven't seen that yet, but I've definitely seen the high hundred thousands, seven, 800, 900. Yep. It's an even playing field now. I think yeah. that's, a, that's a good news story. That is the upgrade of suburbs, isn't it? That's where we go from middle class sort of family suburb to maybe we can retire here or maybe we can move up a spot here. Yeah. And interestingly, what we've seen in that cycle is the ones, that, the, the first upgrade of buyers to be in there probably were buying places that might have been investment properties or might have been situations where people needed to get out for financial reasons. And so that clears out the first stage of the supply in that market. Then we've had a situation of undersupply in lots of those suburbs for a period of time for most of the middle of this year. And what we're seeing now is the spring bounce in terms of listings coming to the market. And so a little bit more supply into those markets where those vendors that you were just talking about have seen that they've bounced off the bottom and they become more prepared to transact their property again because they think that it's closer to what they have long term thought their property is worth. You know what that also says though, that means there's more buyers that are going to come on the market in that next upgrade level, which is that above million dollar range, which is already sort of moving. And that's where the information of it's already moved has only just now hit that upgrade of suburb level. And they're going to be trying to play catch up putting pressure on that plus million dollar uh, level already. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's where we have come to at the end of this year. Now, the only caveat to put on uh, the price growth in Perth at the moment or that confidence level rising is the, the Banking Royal Commission has caused a lot of people to pause, have a look around at their own situation and essentially pull their heads back in, lose a little bit of confidence and sit on their hands and wait. So probably a message that we could give to everyone through the podcast today is to actually get out there and have a look around 
don't think that your level of confidence being low should drive your outcomes at the moment. Now's actually a time to be out there in the marketplace having a look for something and being a little bit counter-cyclical in terms of raising your confidence level. Go and have a look around at what's happening with property and now might be the best time to uh, to invest. Well, we're only just starting to see that balance of news articles come through where finally it's probably more positive than negative. Yep. You know, it, for a long time it was Perth stuffed today and then tomorrow from the same news outlet, Perth's looking okay. Yep. Now I think we're seeing more positivity coming through from the news outlets and even to the Premier in the last few weeks saying, look, we're on the way up, I'm seeing it. And if you, we talk about smart money moves first in terms of information, yep. he should be the guy with the most information in Perth as to what's happening and where everything's going. That's his job to know everything. Yep. And therefore, if he's starting to see the initiatives, the projects, he can understand maybe where population growth might be coming from and whatnot. Uh, if he's saying it, I think that's an interesting move. Uh, the Royal Commission really is a foot on the hose for our aspirations right now. The banks are saying in confidence that this will only last a certain amount of time. The market will relax you know, the, in terms of the lending market. Uh, but it is a consideration that whilst we all have our aspirations, we all want things to be moving uh, on for Perth as individuals and professionals, we really should be doing our due diligence, not only on the suburbs and the houses, but our lending capacity. Because as much as we have those aspirations, things have changed from three, four years ago when we might have been thinking about buying and selling. A lot of us individually might not have that same capacity we used to have. And that is a bit of a dampener on our aspirations. So uh, we need to be realistic about our goals, given the changing environment in terms of finance. And as much as that may not have affected the top end of the market, who buy at a much lower LVR a lot of the time, yep. coming down to that mid-level, most of us have got finance and we rely on the banks to give us a tick of approval to move forward. So that is, I think, a caveat yep. to 2019 to see how the banks will play ball with us as individuals, as investors and homeowners. But I would like to think that with rising rents coming through as well, We've got some data there I think we should talk about. Yep. That serviceability as well should help out too. What have you got on that side? Yeah, well, first things there, I, I'm really confident that if we hadn't have had this Royal Commission this year to smash the confidence back down. Yep. Of Melbourne and Sydney, let's be honest. And the Melbourne and Sydney house prices pulling off uh, or coming off the top, then we would have been in a situation in Perth through this spring period. People are really active in property that we would have started to see really decent growth in lots of suburbs. So the confidence has been dented enough to knock the market cycle off. Sideways. Uh, it's knocked it sideways. So uh, the other thing that we're seeing out of the Royal Commission results is essentially the banks have tightened up on cash flow requirements for each of their customers. So it doesn't matter whether you're the wealthiest person or the least wealthy person, even the people that are asset rich but cash flow poor are finding it really difficult to borrow money in this marketplace. And so what we're going to see here is that go through a, a stage or a cycle where the banks have had to tighten right up. They've pulled right back to a position that they probably are super conservative. The Royal Commission results will come out in early next year, around about February. Uh, and what we'll see from that is the recommendations. And then what we'll see is the banks essentially working out what they can let loose in terms of the restrictions they've put on themselves. So are they going to be okay with people's cash flow? Will they take off the restrictions on HEMS requirements? Those yeah. kinds of things. Yep. And so it won't be until then that us as bank customers and borrowers of money get a full understanding of what the new capacity looks like. Uh, but it's a really good point, Trent, in terms of people going to talk to their bank manager, their broker, understanding what their capacity is before they go shopping. 
So rent side of things is really interesting. Uh, we've started to see those breakout anecdotal stories where people come into the property manager's office and say, hey, I thought I was going to get 550 a week for this. Now I've got 600. So in good suburbs, rent starting to break out, the supply coming down, uh, and essentially a positive story to be told there. Again, if we look at median rentals, they've leveled out and just slightly gone back up in terms of REWA stats, and that will start flowing all the way through the marketplace as people come back to that rental market. So the theory behind that is once rents start going up, it makes renting less attractive as an option of shelter for people, and they start becoming more participative in the buying market. And that adds a level of demand, not from immigration or skilled labor coming through from other countries, but from within to the buying market rather than the renting market. And that helps from there, the sales market, which we're all waiting to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing that we'd love to see on top of that, and you just alluded to it, is a bit of population growth. The unemployment figures are trending in the right direction as well. So these fundamentals start making the marketplace look really attractive in terms of being confident about that recovery. So as a wrap up, I think, Brendan, fundamentals are there for growth on a whole, on average. We've already seen it. The evidence is there on the smart money, as I like to call it. And in terms of that permeating through, that information and liquidity coming to permeate through, the fundamentals are there in terms of our state. Yep. In terms of the finance, let's hope that the banks start playing ball in February. End of the day, they are businesses. They do need to write volume. And I believe that they will start finding ways to loosen the purse strings a little bit. Otherwise, their shareholders won't be getting their returns either. Absolutely, yeah. uh, It is for me a foregone conclusion. It's just a matter of when we'll see that real uptick happen in Western Australia. Yeah, and so we started 2018 with a really positive attitude. Unfortunately, it hasn't come to fruition because of lots of those factors that we've just talked about. But more so with 2019 on the horizon, all of those fundamentals sitting there make us a little bit more confident about 2019. And really the, the last piece of the pie is whether people will go out and spend that money, uh, whether they will get confident and go and upgrade their property, go and buy an investment property, that type of scenario. Will they go into 2019? We're still really happy that there's lots of suburbs in Perth that are as cheap as they're ever going to be. I think they will, Brendan. Australians and especially Perth people, it's part of our culture to buy a property. We enjoy buying and owning property. And I think we've just been waiting until that first Pied Piper moves forward and the rest of us start following and joining in the game. We all enjoy the, the game of property. And I think that the theme of 2018 was hopeful. For me, the theme of 2019, from my perspective, is expectant. I expect to see some really good stories and some and some value coming out of 2019, which works for all of us. Yeah. And Trent, you've got to remember that I'm a conservative valuer from here yes, in Sudwart. So we, I won't be as confident <laughs> as you, but I'm certainly really confident that people should be looking around and trying to buy because value is, as I say, as low as they're going to be in lots of suburbs. Brendan, thanks for joining in on this first episode, this first segment. I uh, hope to have you in really soon again. Yeah, let's do it again. Thanks, Trent. Okay, and now we're going to move on to the suburb spotlight section of today's episode. And we're focusing on Duncraig this week. Duncraig is one of my 2019 hot tips. It is a super diverse suburb. Got some very expensive houses, but also some affordable houses. To help us out with that conversation, we've got Duncraig's number one real estate agent, Marcia Burke from the agency. Marcia, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Marcia, let's chat about the history first. Let's talk about the types of people also that live in the area. Uh, it was a 70s suburb when it first came through, wasn't it? It was, yes. And the aim was to have a family area. 
a lot of the properties in the area have restricted covenants, which means you can't build any more than one property. Of course, that now can be lifted, but in the day, they just wanted single dwellings with families living in them. Are we normally talking double brick homes here? Do you see a lot of fibro, cement and whatnot? Or are we talking good quality homes? Absolutely, top quality. 70s builds were fantastic, all double brick, and started to get up to four by twos. A lot of three by ones initially in the early 70s, but as it went through the 70s into the 80s, a lot of big four by two homes were built there. And tell us about the relationship with Sorrento. Very close neighbours. <laughs> um, in fact, part of Duncraig, the uh, Roach Road through to Marmion Avenue and to Murray Road. Uh, Murray Road was originally in 1969 called Sorrento Street and the Murray Road current shopping centre was Sorrento Shopping Centre and that all changed once Murray Road got pulled through. So that used to be Sorrento, it that area? It used to be Sorrento, that area. And then in the late 60s, it was changed to Duncraig. Let's talk about the types of people that are buying from you at the moment. Is there a bit of a changing in the guard or are you still seeing a very strong nuclear family suburb? What Duncraig mainly attracts is people with families. They've got very, very good primary schools, four independent primary schools. And there's two top senior high schools in the vicinity. Which ones are those? Kareen High School and Duncraig Senior High. Do we see a lot of young professionals? Do we see a lot of older couples, people who are maybe upsizing, downsizing? Look, you don't see many older couples purchasing. You see a lot of them selling and downsizing and moving to the country or closer to family, but mainly young families coming in. People that have lived in Doubleview and Inaloo apartments now having children, knowing that they need to get into those suburbs to get their kids into good schools. Yeah, it is that catchment zone area, isn't it? And it's also an aspirational point in that 650 to a million dollar range, which a lot of Duncraig sits. That's for me in 2019, the moving price range where people are starting to upsize into the mill, mill and a half range. So Duncraig sits in that perfect spot to move. And as you said, it's got a lot of foundations in terms of diversity for a lot of different people to buy in. One of my favourite points is that it's got a lot of greenery, a lot of open space. The development opportunities are quite strategic by the City of Joondalup, so it's not going to change the suburb too much, but it's going to give some more optionality in terms of products. What sort of products are currently in Duncraig? You said there's a lot of diversity from the units all the way to the $2.5 million houses. Can we talk about the different types of houses that are in Duncraig and what sort of prices you'd be paying to get into them? Sure. Well, it is very diverse, that's for sure. And you have high points where some parts of Duncraig actually have city views, ocean views, 180 degree stunning views. There's a lot of that. It's quite an undulating suburb. There are a lot of parks, a huge amount in fact. But I think the thing is that you can get a young family coming in with one child that could buy probably between 550 and 650. Duplex is a little bit lower than that. And then you have people wanting to get into the suburb, particularly to be close to the freeway, schools, train stations, and you can pay anything up to even four million in Kareen Glades. And some properties in South Duncraig in the higher points are sort of getting one and a half to two, three million dollars. Wow. Are these houses that are being knocked down and then built as mansions or are they properties that have been there for a while? They've been there for a long time. And funny, when you look back at history, some of these properties sold back in the day in the 200 and 300,000s. Wow. And now they're worth a lot more. Well, it shows how our changing society and the added services that are coming towards Duncraig. Over time, you know, the freeway and the train station and the schools obviously built up over time, how people value the area more than they did 30 years ago.
Absolutely. Two train stations, four shopping centres, four primary schools, two high schools, the list just goes on. And in terms of future opportunity, we did reference that development capacity with the rezoning of some of the areas. Can you walk us through the sizes of blocks that are in Duncraig and more specifically the ones that are developable. Where are the split zonings coming in from the city of Joondalup or where have they come in? What block sizes are we talking and what can be done with that? What are developers starting to do? Very good question. So there is a lot of development. Most of the developments are close to the train stations and freeway so that people don't have to have a car to get to work. It's quite strategic from City of Joondalup, isn't it? Absolutely. Blocks are maybe even 650 and it's amazing how many are over a thousand square metres in Duncraig in the top of the cul-de-sacs. But a lot of those properties do have big homes on them and you really wouldn't want to knock them over to build four tiny little villas. So where are you seeing that opportunity for developers What sort of price are they paying to get in and what are they currently building? A lot of them are buying two or three houses at once where they can do a development of, you know, two-storey, two-by-twos. Boutique apartments. Absolutely, yes. On the transport run, walking distance, the train station shops, Kareen Tavern, up in that Kareen Glades estate, close to the freeway, it's massive up there at the moment. So it's really that strategic idea of adding a different product to the area. Maybe for the kids who have been living in the area, don't want to leave, but can't afford their parents' house. And a lot of them are the parents in the houses, that the house is now too big, they're rattling around in there and they want to downsize. So they're looking for something not too small, but no pool, low maintenance gardens and lock and leave. And in terms of these two-by-twos that are being built or even the villas that are also being built in Duncraig, what sort of prices are we talking? Anything from five hundred to 650000 they seem to be going for at this point. It's close to the city, it's close to the sea. So you can drive within four to five minutes and be at the Hillary's Marina or Whitford Shopping Centre or Caranup Shopping Centre. And then you've got parks everywhere which are really well used for walking dogs and exercise and it's just one of those suburbs that has everything. Perth's obviously seen quite a hit since 2015 but somehow Duncraig seems to have held its own in the last few years. Do you know why? Because it's a good suburb. (laughs) No but in all honesty it always has. It's always held its own. You know other suburbs might be dropping by seven and eight percent where Duncraig will drop by 2%. Over a 15-year period, it's been really, really strong. If I can give you an example, I sold a house to a lady in 2013, the end of 2013. She paid 817000 for that. I've just resold it. It's just settled and we've got 813000 There you go. And Mm. that's the perfect example of like for like, same house. Mm. It's all well and good to get suburb statistics, which can be warped quite easily by what is being sold throughout the year. But you can't get it wrong when it's on the same house. And that just shows that Duncraig is and has been one of those resilient suburbs in the last few years. And for me, it's for a few factors. One, it's continually having high quality builds put through it. It's on that precipice of upsize and ambitious price points. And it's also received that boost on the lower end for developers to start increasing the quality of the product there as well with the rezoning from the city of Joondalup. Marcia, every week we ask the median house price question. If you had that median house price amount of money in your pocket today, what would you spend it on and why? So firstly, can you let us know what that median house price is in Duncraig and what would you spend your money on? Currently, it is 689000 For that, if you were on a little bit busier street than normal, 
you would get a four by two with the swimming pool, double garage, and highly possibly been renovated. Very neat and clean and tidy the houses are there. There's a lot of people doing renovations. It's pretty much two income family. So there's money to spare to do up renovations and renovations have sort of come to a point where they're not as expensive to get the look as what it used to be. So you can buy something reasonable. In Duncraig, of course. Of course. Marcia, thanks a lot for your time today. We appreciate you giving your insights into your suburb and we hope to have you in again for an update. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!